Welcome to episode 239 of the TruthQuest podcast, the truth about the recent bank failures and the FDIC. In this episode, we're going to examine more failures of the federal government, a recurring theme on the TruthQuest podcast, as the federal government has basically a 100% failure rate. Literally nothing the feds do is done well, is done without significant waste, fraud, and abuse, done in a manner in which it was sold to the American people. The other theme this episode will highlight is the lawlessness of the National Democratic Party. The rules and laws that apply to the rest of us do not apply to them, and as long as the majority of their voters get their news from talking point sound bites on social media and or at the alphabet soup conspiracy media where real news is ignored, and as long as corruptocrats sympathetic to the Dems' cause run the Justice Department, there will never be any consequences suffered before their lawlessness. When I sat down to gather my thoughts about this episode, I was going to cover the truth about the FDIC, the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, but as I put my thoughts together, I realized I needed to shift my focus and explain the recent bank failures because the Biden administration and the alphabet soup conspiracy media, of course, I repeat myself, are lying to you again. Just like they lied to you about Trump's Russia collusion, just like they lied to you about Hunter's laptop, just like they lied to you about the open border, about all things COVID, just like they're lying to you about the proxy war in Ukraine, just like they lied to you about the Biden crime family, just like they lied to you about Obamacare, transitory inflation, Hillary's illegal email server, voter fraud in the 2020 election, and Biden being in bed with the Chinese Communist Party. Last week, we experienced two bank failures in America, the first since the financial collapse in 2008. The first one was SVB, Silicon Valley Bank, followed a day or two later by First Republic. Both just so happened to be located in the San Francisco area. Both just so happened to be full of money from lots of rich Democrats. SVB was bailed out by the federal government. First Republic was salvaged by a cash infusion from some of the bigger banks like J.P. Morgan Chase, Wells Fargo, and Bank of America. I want to spend a few moments explaining why these banks failed and why at this point the banking system in the United States is teetering on the brink of collapse itself because most news outlets are not telling you the whole story. See, both of these banks parked a lot of their excess cash in U.S. Treasury notes. You know, the safest investment in the world. You've likely heard the popular refrain from establishment types who don't give a shit about the country or the economy as they vote over and over again for more and more spending. They say shit like, the United States always pays its bills. Here's where the story takes a turn for the worse. You see, the United States printed some $6 trillion over the last four years or so. First, it was Trump sending checks to everyone and their mother during COVID. I think that accounted for some $4 trillion. Then Biden assumed office after all the vote fraud in November of 2020. Instead of doing the right thing to stave off inflation by cutting federal spending and maintaining our energy independence status, as we did during the Trump years, he decided that in the face of generation-high inflation due to Trump's printing, he would push for print the printing of another $2 trillion and kill our energy independence status. Now, the Federal Reserve, which is jokingly called an independent nonpartisan entity, the lender of last resort, refused to act independently and tell Trump and Biden, hell no, we're not going to print money, we're not going to buy your government bonds and increase the money supply and cause price inflation at the consumer level. Nope, they never say no, because they're not independent. 
Instead, they have manipulated interest rates for over a decade, leaving them near zero and printing whatever amounts of money the current emperor residing at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue tells them. Congress also deserves a lot of blame, but I only have so many minutes here, so let's stay focused. So both of these banks and hundreds of others parked their excess cash in U.S. Treasury notes, the safest investment in the world. They did this at a time when interest rates were manipulated by the Fed and held at historically low levels. The next thing you know, the Federal Reserve takes interest rate from damn near zero to around 4.5% today. They did this, so they say, to fight inflation, slow down the velocity of money or slow down spending and cause higher unemployment because unemployed people don't spend much money. And the higher interest rates will encourage savings, again slowing down spending. By slowing down spending, the theory goes, price inflation rates will come down. Econ 101 states that less demand for product and services equals lower prices. Okay, so now I want you to close your eyes for a minute and imagine that you own a bond that is paying one half of 1% interest. Let's say you pay $1,000 for the bond. It's sitting in your brokerage account just like stocks and mutual funds. Now the Federal Reserve starts raising interest rates over the next year or so. After a month or two, you look at your brokerage statement and notice that that $1,000 bond is now worth $875. What the hell happened? It's a bond. It's supposed to be safe. Well, you see, new bonds that are being issued are paying a higher rate of interest because, say it with me, the Federal Reserve is manipulating rates and pushing them up. So you now can buy a bond that pays, say, 4% or 4.5% for $1,000. How much would you be willing to pay for that old bond that only pays one half of 1% now? You sure as hell ain't going to pay 1000 bucks for it. It might not even be worth 500 with interest rates this high. Now imagine a bank that owns thousands of U.S. Treasury notes or bonds, the safest investment in the world because America always pays her bills. So let's say you have a billion dollars invested in these safe investment vehicles, and the next thing you know, they're only worth half of that, $500 million, because rates have increased. Just to give you a frame of reference, last year in 2022, the 30-year U.S. Treasury rate tanked by 39%, marking the greatest one-year decline since, get this, 1754. The 10-year treasury lost 18%. So that $1,000 30-year treasury bond you purchased at the beginning of the year for $1,000 is now worth around $600. Think about banks all over the country and the world for that matter that own U.S. treasury bonds. It is estimated that U.S. banks have more than $600 billion in unrealized losses on their bond portfolios. And it's not like the Fed doesn't have access to this information. After all, the Fed supervises nearly every bank in the U.S. financial system. And yet, just a week ago, the Fed chairman completely rejected this risk, telling worried senators flat out that, quote, nothing about the data suggests to me that we've tightened too much, end quote. In other words, he believed the Fed's rapid interest rate hikes posed zero risk, or he was lying. This is yet another example of the lawlessness of the Democratic politicians and the democratically aligned hacks like Jerome Powell and Janet Yellen, both of whom are out there telling us there's nothing to worry about when the numbers clearly state otherwise. And instead of doing the right thing years ago, remember helpless Grandma Yellen? She was the Fed chairwoman before Powell. She could have put an end to this. They could have turned off the printing press and staved off this entire mess.
but they didn't because they are as corrupt as the politicians that they serve. Just three days after Powell told the Senate committee that there's no risk in his rapid rate hikes, one of the largest banks in the U.S. imploded three days later. Multiple bank runs unfolded across the country, the bond market fell into turmoil, and the Fed had to essentially guarantee the entire banking system in order to restore confidence. How do banks fail? Simple. They run out of money. Customers start pulling their money out of the bank for various reasons. The bank goes through all the cash they have on hand, and when that runs out, they're forced to start selling assets in order to cover customer withdrawal requests. Those assets included some of those shitty bonds that they paid a thousand bucks for, but are only now worth six hundred. Next thing you know, their balance sheet is crap. They are undercapitalized, which simply means the bank has failed. That, in a nutshell, is what happened to these two failed banks, and what is likely to happen to many others in the coming weeks. So, what is the federal government going to do to fix the problem that they created? What I mean by that is the Federal Reserve, an unconstitutional entity, manipulates interest rates rather than allowing them to float in the free market, which would allow millions of people making tens of millions of transactions to decide the price of money. After all, that's what an interest rate is, the price of money. Back to my point. Because the Fed manipulated rates, holding them near zero for so long, then rapidly raised them, you can say they caused the problem. So let's bring the FDIC into the story. Most people are familiar with the FDIC. They insure deposits at American banks up to $250,000 for an individual or half a million dollars in joint accounts. This unconstitutional federal agency was established in 1933 following a series of bank failures leading to the Great Depression. And as is always the case in D.C., Never let a crisis go to waste and miss an opportunity to expand the federal government's power into an unconstitutional territory. The idea was that by assuring depositors their money is safe, the government can prevent the kind of panic-driven bank runs. The official description of the Federal Deposit Insurance Corp. goes something like this. It's a federal regulator funded by the deposit insurance premiums paid by member banks. The FDIC monitors banks' financial health and makes sure they comply with consumer protection and lender laws. But its most well-publicized function is right in the name. Provide a backstop for depositors in case of an emergency bank failure. Again, I cannot help but point out one of their charges is to, quote, monitor banks' financial health which again proves my point that the federal government has a 100% failure rate. So you may be wondering why FDIC is part of today's story. I mean, after all, it is a promise made by the feds, so they must fulfill it. Fine, I get that, but here's where I tie all this together. The lawlessness of the Democrats, bank failures, and the FDIC. Remember I mentioned that the federal government stepped in to save the Silicon Valley Bank? They made sure that every account holder, including those with deposits greater than the 250 or the half million, were covered. How did they do this? They printed more money, which will continue to push prices up, and we will see price inflation for, I don't know, a decade now? They took those printed dollars and bought the shit bonds that the banks now had on their balance sheet at par. Meaning, the $1,000 bond that is now worth $600, the Fed bought it from the Silicon Valley Bank for 1000 bucks, so they would have the money to provide to their customers if they wanted to withdraw. You may be thinking, what's your problem? That's a good thing. 
to which I would argue the opposite. First of all, the FDIC should not exist. It is a moral hazard to have insurance on bank deposits because it leaves the depositor with no skin in the game. Have you ever done due diligence when you chose a bank? Do you check their audited financial statements, look at how much they have invested in U.S. Treasury bonds or notes per our previous conversation? No, of course not. You blindly use their services thinking the federal government has your back. Remember the stats I gave you just a minute ago about the drop in value of the 30-year and the 10-year Treasury notes from last year? Down 39% and 18% respectively? Well, guess what that equated to? Unrealized bank portfolio losses went from $15 billion in the fourth quarter of 2021 to a staggering $650 billion in the fourth quarter of 2022. And no one was hiding the ball. Every dime of those potential losses were reported in the quarterly SEC filings. The Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation, whose charge includes, say it with me again, monitor banks' financial health, knew there was going to be a problem. Anyone with money in a publicly traded bank could have clearly seen the health of the institution. But who does that? That's what the inept federal government is there for, to watch our back, right? Dave Stockman put it this way, quote, If the American people actually wanted the big boys bailed out, the Congress has had decades since the last savings and loan crisis back in the 1980s to legislate a safety net for all depositors. But it didn't for good reason. That 100% deposit guarantee would be a surefire recipe for reckless speculation by bankers on the asset side of the balance sheet, and also because there was no consensus to put taxpayers in harm's way and benefit of the working cash of Fortune 500 companies, small businesses, hedge funds, affluent depositors, and an assortment of Silicon Valley venture capitalists. What the Fed did by backstopping all deposits beyond the FDIC guarantee was the equivalent of a taxpayer-funded bailout. Some call it the nationalization of the U.S. banking system. However, the FDIC is not funded by taxpayers. The FDIC is funded by charging fees to its member banks. So when the FDIC decided to guarantee every depositor at Silicon Valley Bank, including those with balances exceeding the $250,000 or $500,000 threshold, it means they're bailing out the wealthy customers at Silicon Valley Bank at the expense of other banks. The result of the unconstitutional Federal Reserve taking on these shitty bonds means that it's going to be looking at hundreds of billions of dollars in losses, which will trigger devastating consequences for the U.S. dollar. This means that everyone who uses the U.S. dollar, including every man, woman, and child in America, is ultimately on the hook for the potential consequences of these actions. And that's what's so remarkable about this. The Fed just made this decision on its own. Congress didn't pass a law. There were no hearings, no judicial oversight, no votes. Instead, several unelected bureaucrats who have been consistently wrong got together in a room and decided to guarantee $600-plus billion in bank losses and stick the American people with the consequences. This is the same organization that said in February 2021 that there was no inflation. This is the same organization that said in July 2021 that inflation was transitory and would pass in a few months. The same organization that three days before Silicon Valley Bank's collapse said there's nothing in the data that suggests any risks caused by our policy actions. The Fed has been wrong at every critical point over the last few years, and they've now unilaterally signed up every single person in America to a $600 billion bank bailout without so much as a courtesy phone call to Congress. 
This episode ended up being part history lesson and part indictment on the lawless National Democratic Party who operates a dual justice system, one for well-connected Democrats and one for everyone else. The examples are endless, but by way of tying a bow on this episode, here are a few examples. The investigation of people looking for crimes as demonstrated by the harassment, persecution, and prosecution of all things Trump. The man himself, his advisors, his supporters, i.e. January 6th. The perpetrators of the persecution and prosecution ignore due process and the right to a speedy trial. Think about the entire hoax, Russia collusion narrative. How many years of mileage did these lawless, evil assholes get out of that? Hell, as of this recording, there are reports that Trump is going to be arrested and indicted next week by the New York Attorney General on some more trumped-up charges. The lawlessness is endless. While all of that is going on, they ignore the Biden crime family, where evidence of a crime does exist and we know who the criminals are. That's a slam-dunk case. The whole COVID experience demonstrates the lawless, totalitarian nature of the feds with vaccine mandates, corruption at the highest levels of government as they colluded with Big Pharma to make sure they profited beyond imagination. The federal government colluded with social media platforms to censor dissenting opinions and censor truth about real treatments for the virus. They censored the truth about the adverse effects and deaths caused by the often toxic, sometimes deadly so-called vaccine. Not to mention the lawless and evil persecution of the unvaccinated, masks, lockdowns. Today we have the lawless proxy war with Russia and Ukraine. There is no national interest in Russia's taking of eastern Ukraine. There is no congressional declaration of war against Russia. Everything the corrupt, dementia-ridden bag of oatmeal is doing over there is lawless. All of the activity we discussed about the Federal Reserve is lawless and unconstitutional. The unforgivable levels of money printing, increasing the money supply, crushing the dollar, and causing price inflation not seen in a generation when another Democrat held the presidency. They selectively enforce the law or ignore it. Think about all of Hillary Clinton's crimes. Think about voter fraud. Think about the open border. Clearly, federal law charges the feds to enforce it, but they ignore it. Think about what has been discussed on this episode with the bailout of what now appears to be the entire banking industry. The FDIC promises two hundred dollars or $500,000, yet the lawless Democrats selectively follow the law by backstopping all deposits. That, my friends, is the truth, not only of the recent bank failures and the FDIC, but the sad truth about the state of America today. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite platform and share the episodes with your friends. 